The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What is the doctrine of soteriology? And what are some of the theological words that are associated with it? Welcome, you are here at the Grace Evangelical Society's podcast and broadcast called Grace in Focus. Always glad to have you along with us on Mondays through Fridays. Today we begin a new series about soteriology and the different words, how to define them, that are used in this doctrine. Find out more about us at faithalone.org. That's our website. We have a daily blog there that I'm sure would be of interest to you. And you can find out about our online seminary as well. That's faithalone.org. Now with today's discussion about these soteriological words, here are Bob Wilkin and Steve Elkins. Welcome to Grace and Focus. I'm here with Steve Elkins. Hey, Steve. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Hey, I'm well. You said it's a great golf day, but you're in here instead of out there. Yeah. I need a tan. I need to be outside. <laughs> you need a tan. You should see Steve. Oh. Steve is like tanner than anybody. Anyway, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do some words, key soteriology words. Now, what does soteriology mean, Steve? It's the study of salvation. Okay, and what is the study of salvation then? Oh, well, when I had Dr. Ryron actually graded for him in this class, it was the study of all things pertinent to eternal salvation, namely justification, redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness of sins. Uh, salvation itself, propitiation, et cetera, et cetera, all those great topics. One of the things Dr. Ryrie said is every soteriological topic, which maybe we'll talk about a few, and I know you're talking about in your soteriology class. Yeah. He says all of them revolve around the cross. Without the substitutionary death of Christ, there is no propitiation, reconciliation, forgiveness, redemption, et cetera. That's great. Are you a name dropper, by the way? Here you are, Dr. Ryrie, and you actually graded for Dr. Ryrie? Well, I did, and I want to say it because it was one of the best classes by far that I had. I had him for soteriology, too. I thought he was really good. It was great. He oftentimes in class would defer to Professor Hodges, as he called him. Right. What does Prof. Hodges say on this or that? And they were good friends, and he was a free grace guy, so what a blessing it was to be under him. Yeah, and I should mention that Craig Glickman, who is a good friend of yours and mine, another genius, he said that although that's the way the doctrine of soteriology is taught, he said technically soteriology should be any salvation in the Bible of any kind. So if a person is saved from drowning, that's soteriology. If a person is saved from the Philistines, that's soteriology. If a person is saved from a fiery furnace, that's soteriology. Any salvation in the Bible would be soteriology. Healing would be soteriology because the word sozo is used. And I thought Glickman was right, but I think Dr. Ryrie's correct because the way it's used in theological circles is regarding eternal redemption. No doubt about it. In fact, that could be the springboard to talk about these words. Why don't we talk about the word salvation itself? Okay, so the word salvation itself has a, a root meaning of deliverance, right, or rescue. But it can be used of healing. Your faith has made you well. Is In Greek, it's your faith has saved you. That's right. And, of course, Jesus and the disciples normally are speaking from one of the Septuagint versions, right. which uses the word soteria, salvation oh. or deliverance, or sozo to save. And those words translate usually a word in Hebrew that we're familiar with, Yeshua. Yeshua happens to be Jesus' name yeah. because Matthew one twenty one, he will save his people from their sins, which 
I have a, an article on that, and I think personally he's not talking about giving everlasting life to those who believe in him. I think his people there talks about Israel, and he's talking about the future salvation of the nation when they're going to be surrounded by Gentile armies, and at the end of the tribulation, he's going to save or rescue the nation and bring them into the kingdom. Mm. Now, of course, all the adults will be born again, but that's not what it means by save there. Mm. I even think in Romans eleven twenty six, when Paul says, then all Israel will be saved, that's not talking about all Israel will be born again. I think it's talking about all Israel will be delivered from the Gentiles. Now, they will be born again, but that's not what he's talking about there. That's not unlike its usage when Jesus says, he who endures to the end, meaning the tribulation, shall be saved, i.e. their physical bodies delivered. That's a great point, because we know that the only other use of the word save in the Olivet Discourse is in verse 22 of Matthew 24, and he says, unless those days were cut short, no flesh would be saved. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of God's elect, those days were cut short. Well, the elect there is Israel, and the save there refers to surviving the tribulation. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to 2413, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's saying at the end of the tribulation, only faithful believers will survive it. By the way, back to the Romans 11 passage, are, yeah. you, are you taking it then literally all of Israel, at least living at that time, are going to be delivered? Yeah, I do. Now, my view is, and I think Zane Hodges held the same view, is that that would be all adults. But, of course, among the children, there would be children who had not yet come to faith, and they're part of all Israel, too, because there's an age of accountability, and if, you know, a two-year-old or a three-year-old or depending on how high you think the age of accountability is, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, whatever age you think the age of accountability is, even if they're an unbeliever, they're going to be saved in the sense that they're going to go into the millennium, but they're not going in born again unless they're a believer. Just a quick word here about our online seminary. It begins again in February for the spring semester. Classes are free if you maintain a 3.0 GPA. We offer an unaccredited MDiv degree, and this spring you'll find classes on Bibliology and Ecclesiology with Bob Wilkin, Second Semester of New Testament Greek, New Testament Survey, Old Testament Survey, Soteriology, and Logos Bible Software. To register and for more details, go to gesseminary.org. Now let's return to our topic of the day. Bob, do you think there's any secondary meanings, like you quoted a verse earlier about that Jesus shall save his people from their sins? Yeah. Could there not be a secondary application that, in fact, he will eternally save us with spiritual salvation from our sins? Well, that's a good question, and I don't know. I mean, I take it literally there to refer to Israel and salvation from the Gentiles and giving the kingdom, like, remember Zechariah 9, 9, he's coming on a donkey and he's bringing salvation. I think the salvation there is the deliverance of the nation from the Gentiles and bringing in the kingdom. That's what Zechariah mm -hmm. 9, 10 talks about, the coming kingdom and the glories of the kingdom and, the, and that sort of thing. But could it have a secondary sense? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I tend to think not. I tend to think it's specifically talking that way. But you make a great point. His name is Yeshua because he saves. Mm -hmm. When we say Jesus saves, 
we're basically saying he who saves, saves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, back to Romans 11 on that same idea, when it says, and thus all Israel will be saved, could it be a possible interpretation that all who are true Israel will then be saved, even eternally saved with eternal salvation? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Hodges held the view, you know, in his commentary on Romans, that soteria and sozo in Romans refer to deliverance from wrath. Mm -hmm. Wrath, in his view, was God's wrath expressed in time, Mm -hmm. in this life. And so it's never, in his view, anything to do with eternal condemnation. It's always something in this life. And so he took... 1126 as deliverance from wrath. Mm -hmm. Of course, it is deliverance from the tribulation wrath because although they're not going to be raptured before it, they're going to be delivered at the end of it. But I think it's also more than that because ultimately it's, okay, they're delivered from that wrath, but they're delivered into glory, the coming Mm -hmm. millennial kingdom. Well, I really loved, and I know you did too, uh, Zane's uh, specificity. He was very... Uh, very tight on his illustration or on his interpretations, and um, you know he's strict there, and that's that's a good thing. You know he didn't he didn't love double entendres. He was very careful about saying that a passage could have double meanings. He you know uh, now when you use the word double entendre, I guess that's French for kind of like uh, two senses. Like sometimes. Uh, comedians will do that all the time where they use language. They're using it in a literal sense, but they're also having a double meaning and mm-hmm. people will laugh, you know, and that kind of thing. Hodges did think the word anothen in John chapter 3, you mm-hmm. must be right. born anothen. Mm-hmm. He thought that word in Greek means both from above mm-hmm. and it means again. And he said in the context of John 3, 1 through 18, both are brought out. Yeah. And so he thought it should be translated born again from above. I like that. Back to our point on salvation, though, like in Romans 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Zane was very strict in that based, as you said, on the usage of sozo to save in Romans. That's referring to much more, namely deliverance from the temporal wrath here and now, much more than just salvation from hell i.e. like Romans 5, 9, and 10, that this is much more than just that, this deliverance he's talking about. Absolutely. In fact, doesn't that come from Joel 2 at the end of the mm-hmm. tribulation? The Jews who cry out are going to be delivered. And Hodges points out that verse 14 right. goes on to say, how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, it starts out with saying, how shall they call upon him in whom mm-hmm. they have not believed? Mm-hmm. So the ones who are calling are believers. Not unbelievers. Exactly. And so I don't want to contradict myself here, but like when a person calls on the Lord, the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, theoretically, you would like to think he's already come to faith sometime before that. In fact, Hodges argues that in Romans 10, 9 and 10 about confessing Lord Jesus, that this is the person who's crying out to the Lord, Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, and it's not a one-time event but that this person is part of the worshiping community, and he sees 1013 the same way. So what he argues is at the end of the tribulation, there will be Jews who are part of a worshiping community. Mm -hmm. They're believers who are not just believers, but they're also worshiping him and calling upon him regularly. And so when he sets foot on the Mount of Olives, it's not those who are at that moment crying out, Lord, save me, save me. 
it's those who are part of the worshiping community. Exactly. So they're more than believers. They're faithful believers. And he would apply it now in the same way. We are saved from God's wrath in this life by being part of the worshiping community. Like it's used, the word epikaleo, to call upon throughout the book of Acts. It's those who were public believers, namely those who had been baptized. Right. And it's possible that many people who call upon the name of the Lord are saved, but it's also possible there could be some who could call on the name of the Lord, but they've never believed him for the promise of everlasting life. And if you had that situation, they wouldn't fall under what Paul is talking about in Romans 10, 9 and 10, Romans 10, 13, but they would once they came to faith. Because you're right, you could be part of the worshiping community and not yet be born again. Mm -hmm. And the danger is someone looking at that verse, maybe a a lordship, whether mild or hard lordship, saying you have to publicly confess Jesus or you're not saved. And by the way, Steve wrote his thesis at Dallas Seminary on lordship salvation. So one of the words we're going to talk about is lordship salvation or one of the expressions But we spent all this time just talking about soteriology, so we'll look at some more. But in the meantime, remember to keep grace in focus. Amen. We invite you to check out our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday five-minute YouTube videos at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. You will love the content and learn a lot. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. On the next episode, what is annihilationism? That's a big one. Join us for it, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.